I think you just have to give it what you've got. Um, real estate is one thing where, you know, no one's telling you what to do. There is no roadmap. Yeah. You get what you put into it. And if you're not putting everything you've got into it, then you're not going to get that much out of it. And yep. oh boy. And if you did put in a lot, put in everything you have and you hustled and you had that grit and you believed in um, delayed gratification, it's the most lucrative career you'll have. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. Welcome back, Threefold uh, Real Estate Investing Community. Uh, hope you're having a great week. Got another great guest today. Um, kind of friend of a friend. I've uh, been excited to bring on uh, Leica. Uh, Dave stuff for a long time. She's she's done a lot of cool stuff and and in residential and actually kind of moving to to multifamily now and and uh, hitting the ground running doing doing great things there as well. A little bit on Leica. She's a real estate developer and broker based in Seattle, Washington. President of Rehabit Rehabit Homes, uh, a company focused on residential uh, redevelopment. She's spearheaded hundreds of transactions, developing over $75 million in real estate. Uh, she has eight years of experience in construction management and redesign. She's been featured on numerous podcasts, uh, other media, including Business Insider and Bigger Pockets. She's a chapter contributor in a recently published book, The Only Woman in the Room, um, Effort to Give Back to Community. She hosts a popular virtual networking mixer called Real Estate at Work, featuring prominent uh, speakers from the industry. Uh, Leica moved from, uh, to the U.S. from India 14 years ago. Prior to investing in real estate, she worked at Nordstrom Corporate uh, in uh, merchandise strategy and financial planning. Um, so done a lot. It just quick reference, she was on Bigger Pockets. Great episode. It's a uh, podcast episode number 390. Uh, just talks about um, her story. But um, like a lot about you, you've done a lot of things. Uh, really cool <laughs> background. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Lee. I have heard so much about you, uh, you know, from our good friend, Julie, and I love to just, you know, for the first time meet you in, not in person, but, you know, do this yeah. with you. You as well. You as well. And I, I'm really interested, uh, anxious to dig into your story. So um, can you, let's, let's start, let's go all the way back getting into real estate. So uh, sounds like, you know, you, you had a good career in India uh, you know, immigrated here 14 years ago, um, had a good thing going with Nordstrom. Where did real estate come in? And maybe just whatever you want to tell us about that journey. It's, it's a really interesting story. I'd love to hear more about it. You know, what happened was um, I, I did have an amazing career at Nordstrom. And the way that that company works is they only promote from within. So, you know, everybody starts off on the sales floor and you work yourself up to having a job in the corporate office. Wow. Uh, Nordstrom has 55,000 employees and only 3,000 corporate jobs. And I was able to get there within the first year of being in, in Nordstrom. Um, and, and then just like, you know, work myself up the, the corporate ladder. And I loved it because it was fashion. You know, my whole background has been in fashion merchandising and strategy. Um, but I was also just, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 18 years old. 
And the thought of working for someone else was just nauseating to me. And I was like, okay, I've got to go figure this out. Like I have to go start my own company. What that was going to be, I had no idea. And real estate just happened to, you know, come in, in my like frame. Um, I think I was driving to work one day. I heard a radio ad for flipping homes uh, by this company and they were coming to town. And that's kind of when like I went there and my mind was blown. I was just like, what the hell is this? Like, this <laughs> like amazing how much um, stuff I was learning in, in a span of 30 minutes, you know, um, different investing strategies, long-term wealth. This whole time I thought real estate was only for, you know, someone that could own a house. Like everybody would own one house and that was the extent of it. I didn't know people could own multiple units, multiple houses. I didn't know people could use apartment, you know, hold apartment buildings. Like that was all just like new to me. And to watch other people do this that were like me was, was just like, you know, it was just like a, uh, my eye was open to the land of possibility. And so that's how I kind of went into it. I had to quit my job, focus on this, like this was it. And yeah. so there was also no failing, no room for any kind of failure because I'm like, I don't want to go back to corporate life. Um, you know, once you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur. Like there's, you, you can't be bound by so many stringent rules again. And so um, I went looking for my first deal and I bought my first flip, I think within three months of, um, leaving my corporate job. You kind of knew you want to be an entrepreneur. And I feel like that there's not that many people out there that know that. I mean, for me personally, that was not my story at all. Like I had no idea I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then once I started kind of getting into it, I'm like, holy crap, I, I'm, I want to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know this about myself because I didn't really know that many entrepreneurs. I don't know many entrepreneurs at all. And I think for me, I was fortunate enough to be raised by parents that said, go find your own path. You know, you don't That's have awesome. to be. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a bit of a struggle between my mom and my dad. My dad didn't ever want me to work. And my mom always said like, I have to go and find, I have to be independent and find my own path in the world. And so like between the two, and so because my dad didn't want me to work, he didn't want me to go and study, like do an engineering degree or a doctor doctor's degree. And because my mom wanted me to find my independence, I was like, okay, then if I'm not doing those things, like what am I passionate about? Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to do other things, like really having to think outside the box. So kind of what my upbringing was, and that's kind yeah. of what, what happened. Yeah. I started my first company when I was 18 years old. And so um, that taught me a lot about owning and running a business. And, you know, just, um, and, and I made a lot of money. Like I had more money than any of my, my fellow classmates, obviously, because we were 18 years old. Yeah. No one's supposed to have that much money, but having tasted that, I'm like, wow. Like I know myself, I, I can do big things. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's always been at the back of my mind. So when I was at Nordstrom corporate, as much as I liked my role, I mean, it was just so not glamorous sitting behind a desk, you know, working a a job, which was just, you know, it was just not fulfilling to me. I wasn't changing lives. I wasn't building wealth. I wasn't creating a legacy. Um, And that's why I had to make the switch. Like I felt it in my gut. Like I had to, you know, make the switch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people will say like, if you're not building your dream, you're, you're building somebody else's. Someone else's. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like, and if you've got that in you, then it's hard to not eventually scratch that itch. I mean, some people don't have 
these other these big dreams and, and right. you know, maybe they don't want to do that. That's fine. So they'll probably That's just be yeah. for some people that do like you and you've tasted it. What was what was that business? And was that in India, your, your business at 18? <laughs> it was. Um, it was. And I was teaching people how to make craft out of bread, the bread that we eat. Oh, There's wow. A way, and I was crazy. There was a way like you can treat it with chemicals and it just becomes like super hardened, like ceramic. And then you make like cool things out of it. And so, um, and I learned That's to do awesome. it and I, and I, you know, I did it really well. And then I started to teach other people to do it and it was really expensive and they all paid me a, a ton of money. Awesome. And so yeah. I just had like, I don't know, like a hundred students or something, but, um, but I, I did make a lot of money doing yeah. that. And you had that experience that you could go create something. You could do something on your own. So you, you know, kind of even back then, own. like even yeah. though it was just such a silly thing, like teaching someone a craft it took a lot of hard work and resilience and grit to do that over and over and over, like every single day. And my parents were so amazing to have supported me with that, like, you know, helped me with doing my homework and like doing after school, like studying, whatever, but like supporting me with something that was so out of the box. I was heard in every publication uh, back home. And it was just, it was really cool for me to see that, that aspect of myself. You said, you know, you just, you, you left, you went all in. So you, you quit your job and like, I got to make this work. What was that like? What was, um, was, was your husband on board? What were other people saying? I I know a lot of people that kind of take that route. A lot of people were like, you're crazy. What are you doing? You know, stay with your job for a while until you build it up. Just tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. So, you know, it was kind of easy for me to do that. It was easy and hard. Um, It was easy because I wasn't getting paid a lot. And okay. so, you know how, like when you have an engineering degree and you're working for Microsoft or Amazon and you're getting paid so much money and you're getting paid like a six figure salary, you have the golden handcuffs on. Absolutely. And I didn't have that. My job, my salary was so menial, like so little that I was like, okay, if I were to go out and do something and bombed at it, what is the worst that can happen? Like yeah, I would have yeah. to replace the my current income. I would have to come back to Nordstrom, get another job. And like, you know, at least I have Nordstrom experience and I can do that. Um, but yes, my husband was a hundred percent on board. He was like as crazy as me to say, okay, let's just quit your job and let's do something different. And yeah. like, I'll support it. We had no money. We took a HELOC on our primary residence uh, to be able to fund my first flip. But, you know, it's really interesting. Like, I mean, it was a blessing in disguise that you didn't have those golden handcuffs because it is really tough. I mean, I know people in that situation where they're like, man, I want to do it. I want to leave. And and I know people that hate their job, you know, know. same thing. And then when, but they, they make really good money and you kind of develop a lifestyle based on that income. So it's a much, it's a bigger risk uh, to to leave that. You make make another point too, like that. I think some people you know, for the most part, you could go get that job again, or you could go get a similar job. That's the thing. Right. I, I think people, you know, they, they come up with the worst case scenario and their worst case scenario is actually way worse than the, than the true worst case scenario. I mean, worst case scenario, yeah. you kind of fall on your face and, and you learned a lot, but it didn't work out and you go back and get another job. I mean, there's jobs out there. You go get another job. So that's really interesting. Well, why don't you um, just tell us a little bit about how it went. I mean, so you started flipping houses. I mean, we, we know the yeah. end of the story. We know you were super successful, but um, how was yeah. it early on and how did you kind of build it up and, and get it going? Super unsuccessful, um, <laughs> which is a good thing because I still continue to do it. Although my first deal was unsuccessful, sure. but I learned so much from it. Um, yeah. I could have made a massive loss, but instead I made a small loss 
And so, you know, I was like, okay, if I could take all my learnings from this tragic situation and then go and actually do something positive with it, then that would have made this this situation worth it. Um, And so although my first flip was a failure or rather didn't make any money and that's why a failure, um, my next seven flips like netted me huge, huge profits. Um, And then, you know, after that, like I was super confident after the races, knew how to hire good contractors, knew construction better. I didn't know, like going into my first project, what even like I asked my contractor why the drywall wasn't up when there was no electrical plumbing even installed. And he was like, uh, you know, I'll teach you. And so like I would go to the job site every single day and like learn and like literally didn't know anything Lee so um you know so it was a really good learning experience and now having done that many deals and mostly full gut remodels I owe it all to that first deal which I thought was going to be cosmetic ended up being super super you know high stress and involved um I was like there's no turning back you know and my my market is so hot that if I didn't take on those large distressed properties with massive rehab potential like profit potential I could lose money very quickly and so that just became my thing that every project was going to be a nightmare like every project was a 200 TV model and so that's what I'm really good at that's awesome no I love that like in you know, you make such a good point. I remember, you know, I started with a flip as well and I just did one and, and then got into a duplex and kind of moved to multifamily and we did one other flip. But I remember when I was getting into that flip, my wife was like, are you sure you know everything you need to know to do a flip? And I said, I know everything I can possibly know by reading and listening to podcasts without doing it. No, I don't know everything, but everything else I need to know, I can only learn by doing it. Right. So exactly right. Yeah. You, maybe you could have learned a little bit more Leica before you got into it, but you can't know everything. Everything. Only, huh? You know what I mean? Like you got it. You've just got to learn on the job. You've got to go and do it. Maybe you could be an apprentice to somebody and join somebody else, but eventually yeah. you've just got to get into the business and do start it. doing it. Yeah, yeah, you do. And and you're right. I mean, the fact you look at it the right way, the fact that you were able to just take a small loss, but learn a ton, that is why you made big money and did really well in the next set and instead of the person that like, Hey, I might lose money on the first deal. So I'll never do a deal. I'll never do a deal. And I'm waiting for my perfect deal. Like that's never going to come. So you're rolling now you're, you're, you're doing flips. I know uh, kind of the episode, we maybe we won't have to get super into it because I know the episode on bigger pockets, people should go listen to that episode 390. Again, you made seven figures on one flip. Um, So flipping is going well. Uh, This is more of multifamily focused podcast. So if flipping is going so well, like uh, why the transition into multifamily here lately? What, what do you, I mean, yeah. I know it, it, it sounds like it, that's still going, but what did you see in multifamily that said, Hey, flipping's awesome, but I got to get some of that multifamily stuff. That is a very good question, Lee. Um, so yes, flipping was going amazing until 2017 when I met Patch Wen. Patch is just one of the best real estate investors in my market. He is all over social media. The guy is amazing. And what he said to me, like we ended up having lunch one day and he said, look, I love what you do, but you need to hold everything you buy. And that is the only way you can retire. Um, That is the only way to create a legacy because as you can continue to flip homes, you're going to be as active as 
possible. But there's a shelf life to that, right? Like, when is that going to end? And then I started thinking about it. I was like, oh my God, like, he's so right. Um, So, look. I am really good at flipping homes and I, I, and I still do that today because I have a great pipeline. I have a great team in place. I have my processes and I've learned the hard way. And I, you know, when, when a business is built on a strong foundation, it can withstand no matter what. And so I continue to flip homes and make massive profits. Obviously I don't flip 15 homes a year. Now I only flip three homes and I'm net like a crazy profit. But so back in 2017, I said, okay, let's start holding properties. What if I looked at every deal that I bought from the lens of holding it rather than flipping it? And I started to hold some really cool properties by, you know, using the Burr method, like getting a duplex, a triplex, a quad, and then like just, you know, getting them super distressed, adding massive value, uh, appraising at super high prices because my market's on fire and you don't get these beautifully turnkeyed multifamily buildings nope. so having them appraised like super high and now hold, being able to hold them make a cash flow and also appreciate these buildings in such a hot market yep. was you know it kind of like that conversation just gave way to something like that and since i started to create these buildings and create value in these buildings i was like now it's time to go big or go home and so mm-hmm. i ended up buying an office building last year um, I'm still in the process of renovating it. No one was funding office buildings, especially vacant office buildings. And so uh, the only way I could buy it was if it was very, very cheap compared to market rates. And we got an amazing deal on an office building. And so I ended up buying that. Um, and then I was like, okay, I have so much experience with value add that if I could buy distressed apartment buildings, and fix them up because the other thing too is doing a single family home requires a lot of design aesthetic. It requires a structural engineer in my market. Like you need to seismic retrofit all these buildings. Now, if I could take that same experience and lend that to multifamily, multifamily is 12 units, 20 units, 30 units, because my market's really high, uh, yeah. very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like if I could do the same thing, like these buildings don't need to be structurally sound. They already are just the units are distressed and how easy is that for me to do? Um, and so that's why I was like, okay, multifamily seems so much easier to do. Um, also by just going on all these podcasts and putting myself out there on social media, I get a lot of requests for from people to invest in my deals. And so I was like, okay, let me test the market and raise funds and raise capital from, from my audience And so I was able to raise a fund last year. Within two weeks, I hit my goal. Um, And then I recently raised capital for my first, my own first indication that I'm going to own and operate. Um, And within four days, we were fully committed. Wow. Congrats. That's awesome. You know, also because of how much our market's appreciating every year, I go back and look at some of the flips that I sold and, oh boy, those have appreciated <laughs> three times as much. Yeah, like that I sold know. in 2018, 2019 are really now crazy. selling for a million dollars more. Oh, and I'm just goodness. like, that's my work. That's my yep. hard, hard yep. work. And so I'm like, okay, that's why it just makes more sense to hold on to my buildings and like create this passive income portfolio um, that my flips can now pay for. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's still good to generate cash. And that's why, hey, right. you're still flipping. 
you still generate cash. And but then it's yeah. like, what am I going to do with that? I'm going to put it into put it into right long term. Like, yeah, wealth building. Yeah. And then and then so it sounds like maybe like you decided, okay, you know, that's told you, hey, hold on to some of these. So you said, okay, let me see how I can hold on to some of these single families. But was there a sense of like, well, this is great and I'm seeing the concept, but it's not that much cash flow when you just own one unit at a time, right? And so that's where you're like, well, what if I could buy 30 units at once with a, with a 30 unit multifamily? Exactly. Kind of thought process there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also hedging your bet, you know, yes. one tenant versus 20 yep. tenants, yep. Um, you know, so yeah, that's kind of, that was a thought process. And I still, I don't buy straight up like, Hey, this is a great building and it provides like it does uh, produce cash flow. I still buy buildings that are kind of wonky, that are super distressed, that need yeah. a facelift. Yep, um, yep. just to create massive value add. And that's your skill set too, right? Like, you know, like you can, yeah, yeah, you can, it does transfer from single family. Yeah. You know, it's not the same thing, but a lot of your skills that you've built up over your flipping career can translate exactly. into multifamily then. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. what, what, what is different, Leica? What, what is different about multifamily that you've kind of had to learn uh, as you've gotten into this space where you say, wow, that's, that's just really different than, you know, I, I I didn't learn anything about this when I was doing single family. Well, everything is different. It's like sure. underwriting the deals are different. Um, different. Yep. You know, you're looking at cash flow. You're not looking at, okay, this, if I fix this up, what is this going to sell for? Right. You're right. not looking at ARV. Nope. Um, you're looking at so many different metrics. What is the IRR going to come out to be? What is the cap right. rate? Like, what is your NOI? Then you're not involved. Like you have to bring on other team members, Right. You have to bring on property managers. You have to find the right lenders. Yes, like there's so yep. many, so many yep. differences from multifamily to single family. I've like barely raised capital before. Yeah. Um, people would just come to me and say, I have 200 grand. Can I put it in your next flip? And then I would just JV partner with them or sure. they'd be my private lender. Here are going out and actually talking about a deal and finding multiple part like investors, like 30 investors on this deal. Yep. How do you convince them that you are looking at this building from your eyes, that you know that this deal makes sense? Like, how do you go out and convince someone of that? Mm-hmm. Then once they do commit to it, like nothing's committed till they actually send the funds in, right? Anything can change. Their situation can change. Anything can happen. Um, so there's that piece. So capital raising is, is its own little beast, if you oh, will. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, and then there's like the whole value add, you know, part of it, like how are we recycling tenants? How are we fixing up units um, so as to make most cash flow through rent, but also not like disturb tenants too much and yet right. create this beautiful building, right? Yep. Um, that, that CapEx, you know, uh, situation is is also something different. Um, and so I just feel like there's vastly, there's so many differences, but at the same time, I also think that once you've understood real estate and just like the makings of, you know, how things work, um, taxes, you know, and you have good people to support you and a good team, team. you should be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you understand real estate, you understand kind of how it works. You, you're, you have a confidence about it that other people that haven't done anything have, but you just, you need, you need to add a couple more people to your team, a couple new people to your team, a property manager, like you said, different yeah. lenders, lending's very different. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's a, it's more of a team sport. And so now, yeah, you're adding a lot more investors, uh, because yeah. it's bigger numbers. 
So you need a bigger team. And that's, what's kind of fun about it too. It's, it's a much yeah. bigger pie. So it's right. okay to split the pie up amongst multiple team members. Only it's such a big pie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Um, and so you're, you're now bringing, you kind of mentioned, you know, you're, you're bringing on these passive investors when you're talking to passive investors, how are you kind of selling multifamily? I mean, maybe some of these people were like, like, I like when you just bought a house for 200 grand and sold it for 500, you know, but now you're, now you're wanting me to, to give you your money, you know, probably a lot more long-term, right? This might be a five-year plan. Um, and, and it's going to produce, you know, kind of this cash flow. I'm used to getting a big chunk from you and maybe there's gonna be a chunk at the end. How are, how are you selling this, um, to, to passive investors? Um, just by being super real and genuine, you know, um, first of all, like if I was doing a flip with someone, they would have to invest 250, 300 grand, whereas my multifamily syndication, they could come in with 25 K and, you know, see the trends in five years. Right. Um, and then also see like quarterly distributions. Um, the other thing is like a lot of the investors that invest with me want to start investing in real estate themselves. Um, okay. they do have like full-time tech jobs, but at the same time, they want to learn about passive investing. They want to learn about burrs. They want to learn about construction. And so by investing with me, I can offer that to them by taking them through the process, through my process yep. of, Hey, today we're going to go in and do this work. And this is the reason why, um, we're going to add laundry rooms. And the cool thing is like, I am so open and transparent and I'll be the first to tell you. I screwed up. Um, and so like, I'm going to invite them to come to my building and be like, check it out. Look at what we're doing. Let's do a walkthrough, you know, but I really want to enable them to understand investing in real estate because they That's great. like 90% of my investors only invest in stock. Um, mm-hmm. sure, and sure. you know, maybe now some crypto, but, um, they don't, they don't have access to real estate and oh. they can't buy good real estate because, in my market, there's no inventory. And so for them having to see this stuff, you know, is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I I totally agree with you. Like if you want to be active, starting passive is a great way to learn. Great way. Great great way way. to get into it. Yeah. Right. Because uh, put a little bit of money to work for you. Number one, you're going to make a good return off that money. I mean, as long as you invest with a good sponsor, so your money's going to do well for you, but you're going to learn And and we're the same way, you know, very transparent. In fact, uh, made me smile because sometimes I'm showing my presentation to my wife and she's like, that's really confusing. Like you're giving too much information. That's yeah. too many numbers. You know, I'm like, well, I, I want them to, I don't want to hold anything back. I want to show them everything. Um, but no, a lot of people that want to be active, they do like seeing all that because it's like, okay, the more yeah. I can learn, the more I can go do it. So that's really neat um, that you do that. And, and, and you, you make a good point that um, a lot of times, like people don't have access to real estate. And then, you know, you and I, Hey, before we found out about real estate, like most people just don't understand what's available, like what's out there that real estate is such a possibility. So they come in with you passively and their eyes are, their eyes start to be open. You, you got to be a part of um, a, a great book. The only woman in the room as a, as a woman in, in the space, it's, it's, you yeah. know, frankly, male dominated, uh, yeah. what, what's been any hindrance or difference, or maybe it's been a benefit of, of being a woman in, in this industry. What, what have you noticed with that? I love being a woman in this industry. <laughs> I feel like everybody takes such good care about care of me. Um, I actually wrote a post about this on LinkedIn one time because the men in the industry that basically I have worked with over the last eight years have really treated me as an equal. They don't like they send me the, the, the best deals. I get some amazing financing. And then when I look around the room, right, like they're all men. Um, And so me as a woman, like, 
I don't know. I just feel like a lot of women have this limiting belief that I'm a woman. I'm never going to see the good deals. I'm never going to, you know, be treated as an equal. Like I can say that none of that was true for me. It's been an amazing ride. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, that that's yeah. absolutely how it should be. And, and I think, I mean, to me from, yeah, I, I've had the same experience, um, the, the, the women that I've seen in, in the space. Um, and it just, I mean, from what I know, it's, it's just more men want to be in the space. It's not that there's any barrier, right. it just it, it naturally, I don't know, men yeah. have, have, have pursued it, but the women that get in do very well. And, and I, I know, I, I've, I feel like I've noticed it, that you and the other women that are in the space have really developed. I mean, I think through this book and stuff really developed a community within the community uh, that seems right. to be really strong. And the women are just, just all of you are crushing it uh, and doing really well. So that's cool too. Thank you. Yeah, but I'm glad. And, and I know you're, you're, uh, we were just talking that you're speaking at the best ever conference. So yeah, um, yeah you're absolutely. Um, now, and that's yeah. the other thing too, is like when I go to speak at these events, like I don't want to sit there and talk about work-life balance and how I'm, you know, m- managing, like raising my kids while I'm trying to, you know, build up this career. Um, at best ever, my topic is construction, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I just feel like, to empower women in this space, like treat them like you would treat any man, you know, put them on panels that they can talk to you about why they're picking certain deals. What metrics are they looking at? Well, how are they, you know, um, going through the life cycle of a, of a deal or building sure. their construction companies or like talk about those things, you know, like you'd never put a, put five men on a panel and be like, how do you guys handle like kids' lunch boxes, right? Yeah. That, I'm like, true. don't do that. Like, stop doing that. And like, treat, you know, treat us as we can speak to the same topics as all the other men can. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about my panel and, you know, what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I'd say you're well suited to talk about construction with your background and <laughs> right. really heavy value add flips and now doing heavy right. value add multifamily. Multifamily, um, yeah. 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 The, the, the deal you got that you were just talking about, like, uh, that, that yeah. was like your first big raise that you're doing. How many units is that? Is that the office building or is that a, that's a, is that a multifamily? It's a, it's a multifamily. Okay. It's 12 units. Um, okay. my CapEx budget is 500 grand. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm basically touching everything from roof, siding, exterior, pavements, concrete work, asphalt, Wow. Yeah. everything yeah. interior, you know, like just, um, cabinets flooring adding laundry rooms creating a class by the time you're done that's the whole i can't even even in a c-class neighborhood i can't like do c-class work like it's always a class so i i'm like that is me like i'm not gonna you know I'm not you're going for the best. Yeah. You're going for the best residents and yeah, Yeah, be trendy. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's definitely more fun. It's more more fun fun making properties look really, really cool. Yeah. That's good. Um, wait, I I do want to transition. It's funny that you just said that I do ask every guy this that comes on. This is not a girl question. (laughs) And I I don't want to specifically talk about like lunches and stuff like but just, just your family. Like, I, I just want to talk about what, um, what hatched toward like, Hey, building wealth and leaving a legacy, like just those type of things. So how do you think about that? Like a, just, just with your family, even, and how does your husband think about that? How do you guys, yeah. how are you maybe seeing it work already? What has, has getting into real estate, but then maybe now specifically trans transitioning into holding stuff and getting into multifamily. How has it been going for your family? Um, how is it maybe starting to change your family's life? And, and where do you see that going? What, what's your hope uh, for your family, just kind of in general? 
Okay, so truth be told, I don't have too much time to like, you know, spend with my kids, like going to every play that they're in or like doing every craft project with them. Um, but when I do spend time with them, it is quality time That's that good. we cherish. Um, and they see a kind of work ethic in me that they're like, okay, we have to like, you know, work hard. Look at how hard mommy works. Like we've got to study hard, work hard. I keep telling them that they're going to inherit all my buildings and they don't want that. So I have to find a different plan, but <laughs> I have to somehow get them excited about owning real estate. They're like, no, it's too stressful. You're always stressed out, but I don't know. Like that'll change, you know, eventually, but. Well, you're like, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm remodeling all these properties. They're going to be turnkey by the time I hand them. To they you, so love the remodels. Right? Like I go to their okay. classes and I do like a before after presentation oh, and yeah, what, you know, cool. what fixers are and like, they love it. They think I'm the um, but I think, you know, just like inculcating that work ethic in them is has been so joyful to watch. Um, they want to give their best at everything that they do. And, you know, um, and I think they, they see that from from the things that I do. And my husband's so supportive, like if he didn't have the kids, like if he didn't take care of the kids, like the way I want him to take care of the kids. Right. Like there's no way I could be so MIA. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, because it's, he's a good supportive parent. It's been amazing. Oh, uh, you got to have that team. I don't know how, I mean, you have to have that team. You can do it as a single parent, right? I mean, it, it's, no. so, oh my goodness. So, oh my God, the guilt would like eat you alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's good to, when you are with your kids, be present. And, and so yeah. do you try to like block that time or how do you maybe kind of try to protect that? So you are really present and it's quality time, um, like you said. You're totally putting me on the spot here because for the first like six years, I think of starting this business, like I would answer every call because every call was important. I was the only yeah. one that could make decisions yeah. and I made all of them. Um, so like if, you know, something like if a pipe burst or there was a leak in the basement, like they would call me and I'd un pick up whether it was 6 p.m., 7 p.m., like whatever I was doing. Um, but lately as my kids are growing up and they tend to see things, um, I'm like, okay, no, my phone's going to stay silent. I'm not going to look at it when I'm with my kids, you know, yep. and, and you just have to pivot and you have to make those decisions because it doesn't matter when they're babies, but like, as like my, my oldest is nine years old and like, he, he's so perceptive, sees everything. And so, you know, um, for him, like, I just have to make that, make that switch. Yep. Oh, yeah. I know. No, you're totally right. I mean, my kids, uh, we got six and eight uh, years old. So right. Oh, right there, mine right are there. five yeah. and nine. So right yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, they're so perceptive. Our, my kids, uh, I was telling my wife, they cracked me up because they, they wanted to imitate to me how my partner and I sound when we talk on the phone together. And so they did this thing. And what they were really doing was they were interrupting each other. Cause they're like, yeah, that's what you and Mr. Kevin always do. Like, like you start talking, then he starts talking. And then like, we're talking <laughs> I over love each other. It. and I was like, oh, okay, wow. I, I guess, yeah, I didn't, I guess we should interrupt each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're totally noticing that, but, um, but you're right. I mean, it, it is, man, the older they get, they're so perceptive. It, it's good. I, I, I agree with you too. Like it, it's good to show work ethic. Hey, we, we work hard that, you know, we're, we're, we yeah. believe we're called to do that. Um, but at the same time, you know, when, when I'm with you, like you're the most important thing. So I'm going to put some of that stuff away. And, and I mean, sometimes starting out a business, I mean, starting out a business is tough. So sometimes there are seasons where you have to really hit it hard, but hopefully I always hope people can kind of pull that back at some point yeah. and say, okay, 
now in this season, I can put the phone down at times at least, you know, so that's great. Um, cause I know it's hard. It's hard when you're hustling. Um, wait, yeah. th- this has been awesome. I was like to ask at the end, um, just for like, what would you say is maybe that one key ingredient, um, or just one of them that, that someone needs to be a successful real estate investor, whether, um, let's say maybe specifically kind of getting a multifamily, what, what's, what's a key ingredient to be successful at that? I think you just have to give it what you've got. Um, real estate is one thing where, you know, no one's telling you what to do. There is no roadmap. Yeah. You get what you put into it. And if you're not putting everything you've got into it, then you're not going to get that much out of it. And yep. oh boy. And if you did put in a lot, put in everything you have and you hustled and you had that grit and you believed in um, delayed gratification, it's the most yes. lucrative career you'll have. Yeah. Um, and so I just feel like, you know, you have to, you can't sit on the couch. You can't listen to podcasts and say, I'm never going to be that way. I'm never going to be that rich. I'm never going to have that deal. I'm never going to own an apartment building. You have to go out and give it what you've got. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yep. You got to jump all and go all in. I mean, you don't necessarily have to quit your job. The way you do, no, you don't have you, to quit you, your job. You but you, at some point you're going to have to put in a ton of effort and that might mean right. making some other sacrifices and, and really going all in. You're absolutely right. It takes a lot to get it going. I mean, I think that's entrepreneurship in general, but in that's general. certainly, that's certainly uh, multifamily. Um, and, and I always ask for like a key ingredient um, to not like, while you're having success in real estate to also have success as a family, so you kind of already hit on that, but what would you say maybe yeah. is that key ingredient to, to maintain those priorities and, and make sure all that's going yeah. well as, as, as you're building that real estate? I think the first step is to realize that, you know, that you need to do that. Um, And then the second step is to really take that time, that quality time and spend it with your family whenever you can um, and really make them feel like you said, important while you're with them Um, because ultimately you're doing it for them. Yeah. I always like to get a good book recommendation. Um, We've got, um, the only woman in the room. So that that's one good one. And was that, who's the lead author on that? Leica? Ashley Wilson. Ashley Wilson. Okay. I, for yeah. some reason I was thinking it was Liz uh, Faircloth. She, she's another one that seems to be kind of in that group. No. Though. So she, her group uh, published it. So the real gotcha. estate, her published the book. That's why I'm thinking. About. Was, okay. It was Ashley's brainchild. Well, Hey, Leica, this is awesome. I, I want to send people your way. I, I want people to to follow you. You're, you're putting out a lot of great content, doing a lot of great things. Um, if anybody's going to the best ever conference, they're going to have a great opportunity to see you there. Um, I've got, you know, uh, rehabathomes.com to send people to. I know you're pretty active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So is that yeah. a great pl- best place for people to go to, to see more and, and connect with you and stuff? Yeah. And my handle yeah. for both is Leka Deta, my first and last name. So find me on Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, happy to help connect network. Great. Perfect. We'll set, we'll put all that in the show notes so people can go connect with you. Hey, before I let you go, um, I always ask everybody at, at the end, how, uh, what, what's a, a way my listeners and I could be praying for you in the coming weeks? You know, I would say, um, wait, you got me on that one. <laughs> Good. Um, I would say just, you know, pray for, Pray that I, okay, so this is, this is a, a big thing for me. Yeah. Uh, all this, all these deals, all this hustling, all this wealth. The one thing that I'm super passionate about is giving back to the community, is educating, which is why I run my meetup. Yep. Um, and it's, I don't charge any money. I just want people to network, to be educated. 
And I love empowering other people to go take charge of their lives. It doesn't have to be in real estate. It can be anything, but just be entrepreneurial, you know? Yes. Um, and so you can pray that I can do more of that someday. Yeah. You know, I can just give back more to the community. I can educate more people. Just pray that I can find a way to do that. I love that. Like, yeah, we, we'd be happy to pray alongside you uh, for that because it, it's so good. And I'm right there with you. I mean, that's, that's why I do the podcast and, and try to educate people because I think, you know, for both of us, once you, once you see the power of real estate mm-hmm. and, you know, before we didn't know anything about it and then you see right. it and you go, why, like, why don't more people know about this? Why, you know, I, I need to tell more people about this because, you know, and, and that's, what's cool too. I think about real estate, especially, I feel like the, the multifamily game where, it's not a zero sum game, like a dog eat dog world where, Hey, I don't want to tell anybody about it. Cause they, you know, they might compete with me. It's like, no, let's bring more people in the space. Let's show them the power. We can partner, we can do deals together. You know, it's again, it's a big enough pie for all of us to do. So let's educate more people and pray that you can do more of that. Thank you. That yeah, is so yeah. sweet. Thanks so much for joining us. Like it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.